When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Over the past few months, businesses, especially small businesses, have faced a lot of proverbial lemons, but the power of pivoting has become clearer than ever. We're here to share stories from PayPal merchants who have pivoted their businesses during COVID-19, innovating their way through uncertain and strenuous times. Welcome to The Adaptables. Welcome back, everyone. As you know, I'm your host, Sarah Davidson, and I'm so excited to have our first guest with me today, Jeremy Fleming from Stage Kings. Stage Kings is a theatrical set building company based in Cornell in Sydney's South, founded by Jeremy and his wife, Tabitha, five years ago. The company has been responsible for building stage structures for music and arts festivals and corporate and sporting events, including Ninja Warrior and Ultra Music Festival. Like so many businesses, the outbreak of COVID-19 halted the festivals, TV, sporting and corporate events that Stage Kings primarily focuses on, but their ensuing pivot into a whole new application of their skills well and truly earns them their spot among the adaptables. I'll let Jeremy share the finer details himself. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, we have got a little icebreaker to kick off every episode. What is the biggest assumption or misconception you had about going into business that got busted as soon as you started? <laughs> Great question. Um, <laughs> I guess that running your own business is easy and uh, that you can make a lot of money straight away. Uh, that gets oh, busted yeah, of very quickly. <laughs> it takes a lot of hard work and look, it's worth it in the long run, but it's certainly not a not an overnight quick solution. Absolutely. I think we all have so many expectations and ideas about what business is going to look like. We're just all going to be absolute ballers rolling in it straight away. It's just such a rude awakening. <laughs> yeah, the mega yachts and uh, yeah. <laughs> not reality. But I think that is one of the most amazing things about going into business is that we have a bit of a head start. We're a bit preconditioned for this ability to be agile and pivot and meet new expectations every day. You kind of get used to that, which is a wonderful skill to have, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, it's key. It is indeed. So let's jump into your story, taking it back to pre-COVID. As we said, our expectations at the start of a business are always so different to how it turns out. But what were your expectations in the early stages of your business? <laughs> early stages, pun intended. How did you <laughs> and Tabitha get started? What were your previous careers? And what were the practical steps to get your idea off the ground from, you know, just an idea to an actual business? Sure. Myself, I come from a scaffold background, actually. I'm, I'm a carpenter by trade and then, then got into scaffolding early. And so I worked on a lot of scaffold projects. I worked in Europe for a number of years and then came back here and, and I was selling a scaffold product that makes stages. And so I sold a, sold a lot of stages to other companies and, and after a while, uh, through, through some European connections, started to think about a different way to build stages, more like the way they do in Europe. And the initial thought for Stage Kings was that we would just build these decorated structures uh, like Tomorrowland, uh, you know, in Europe and uh, EDC in Las Vegas and things like that. And so uh, Tabitha's background, she's been in the record industry, actually, for, for over 20 years working for Universal and EMI and, uh, and Sony and those guys. So she's been in that side of the music industry for a long time. So it was a big decision to do it. Uh, we, uh, we took the plunge and it turns out it was a good idea. The, uh, the market was ready for that kind of 
theme stage and we very quickly started to, to gain momentum and do some great projects. That is so cool. I mean, you guys were obviously adaptable with your skills right from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of business. You need to be adaptable to do different things all the time. So it's... Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's an industry that's evolving constantly. So it's so cool that you're able to shift with it. I think one of the things that happens when you do enter a new style of business or enter a new application of your skills is that it's hard to communicate that as well. That's another misconception is you think I've got a great idea. Customers are going to come. (laughs) So what was your first client and project when you did shift into Stage Kings? Funny enough, it wasn't anything massive. It was a small stage for the wheels. It was a stage that we'd built to roll onto the SCG at, at halftime on a, at a Sydney Swans game. And I remember it was it was me, uh, just me at the time. And I built this little stage and was ready to roll it out. And then the heavens opened and it rained so much it didn't get used. So that was... Oh, that no. was <laughs> that was the first ever stage Stage Kings built. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love how you're like, oh, it's nothing big. Just, you know, onto the SCG with the wiggles. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and how has it been going into business as a couple? Like I've gone into business with my husband. It's been about five years now. It's definitely been a roller coaster for us. So how did you guys find it? Yeah, look, it really, uh, we work very well together. Tabitha sort of backs me uh, in areas that I don't have strengths and vice versa. And so uh, we work really well together, which is quite amazing when you're working all day and and all night together. You need that. And I think not a lot of people have it, but it works well for us. Yeah, I think if you can survive going into business together, you can survive absolutely anything. (laughs) (laughs) So from those very early days, starting off with the Wiggles, you've been able to build up an amazing business and reputation growing to such bigger gigs as you've developed. So tell us about that growth journey and what have been some of your highlight moments or favorite Stage Kings creations? Sure. The, we Very quickly, we got on our head of production, Mick Jessup. So he's key to the whole Stage Kings growth. Mick was uh, the head of production at Sydney Festival for nine years. Yeah, we'd worked together a lot in the past and, and he came over and together, the three of us have really grown that. And we very quickly ramped up from the Wiggles, like you say, we we did our first then big theme stage that winter five years ago down in Jindabyne for a festival called Snow Tunes. That, that was a great little stage. We, we're still really proud of that one. And within the first, our first eight months of business, we we did a deal to build a, a massive set for the NRL. <gasps> for the grand final, uh, it was called NRL Nation. We built it in Darling Harbour. It was enormous. Probably far too big for what we should have taken on at the time. But we did it and we, we pulled it off. And from there, it's just grown. We've done some amazing projects. I have to pinch myself off. And, the, you know, we did the opening ceremony for the Commonwealth Games three That's years amazing. into being in business on the Gold Coast. So that was an enormous project. We had 65 people up there for six months working on that. Mick, Mick moved his family up there and, and ran that project up there. And uh, Shakespeare's Globe Theatre is another amazing project. We have a full replica, a thousand seat theatre, a replica of Shakespeare's second Globe Theatre. So we've built that now three times around the country. And that's also an enormous project. So really cool stuff. Oh my gosh, that is absolutely fascinating. And I think we all take for granted that when we go to these productions, you know, someone actually had to build those things. And that's you guys. Like, we don't think about how they got there. That's true. <laughs> a lot, someone actually mentioned the other day, a lot, up until now, no one's really known Stage Kings because we're, by the time they get to the event, we're out of there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so over the past couple of months, particularly, we've been seeing a lot of businesses really use technology and the digital world to really pivot and move 
from often a retail to an e-tail model. How have you guys found in building Stage Kings through that growth journey that digital and online platforms have helped you do that? For us, it was quite a big change. Uh, We had to very quickly move from a B2B company to a B2C supplier. And we had to quickly add on uh, an e-commerce site to our website, which we did. And at at that stage, we needed to look at the payment options. And and we added PayPal as an online payment option to that. To do that, uh, Tabitha basically had to watch YouTube tutorials on how to uh, add uh, the e-commerce site to the website, which which happened on that Monday. and, And overnight, we had that set up. Well, I mean, the humble YouTube tutorial is a wonderful way to upskill very quickly. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually realise that your shift from retail to e-tail was more post-COVID and part of the pressures that you guys have been facing during that. So let's talk about that. Since COVID-19, many businesses have had to re-strategize, temporarily shut down or change their offerings completely to sort of stay afloat during these times. And the industries you work in mostly halted completely over you know, a 48 hour period. So talk us through that first few weeks after the outbreak, you know, all the cancellations, you guys actually had a couple of jobs that were half done and, uh, you know, the emotional response to all of that. What have been the main pressures for you? It was really difficult. We, it was Friday the 13th of March and we were in Melbourne, Mick uh, and myself were in Melbourne. We built a giant set piece for the Formula One that was due to due to start that day for the Miley Cyrus and Robbie Williams World Tour concert that was going to happen. We, we had also done the set for Ninja Warrior. We, so we were down there looking at a couple of things. And Friday the 13th, people lined up ready to get into the Formula One. And when the Prime Minister came out and said, we need to put a hold on all public gatherings, over 500 people, which essentially is everything we do. And so it was an immediate shutdown. Uh, the Formula One was cancelled. We needed to pull that out straight away. Uh, and then it was phone call after phone call of every everything cancelling and my initial thought well I panicked slightly thinking we're not going to have any income for god knows how long and how would we survive that and that was was a really uncertain time trying to work through how we could live (laughs) through this thing (laughs) we weren't sure how long it was going to last as we still aren't actually it's uh so the, the whole event industry every everyone we know there's over 500,000 people in the industry everyone was had a complete and utter shutdown and, and loss of income so mm. it was devastating for the industry and the people in the industry and we were just thinking of our people as well we had 23 staff on at the time and we we had to have the tough dis- discussion that we didn't know how long it was going to be until we could make any money again and how we were going to survive that it was really tough and and, and, it, and it was from Friday the 13th till Friday the 20th was how long it took to work through all those the plans on reducing our uh, outgoings, uh, trying to get rental reductions and holding finance and things like that. And, and we did a few of those things. And Friday the 20th, though, we, we let everyone go. We had to tell them that was it for now. And otherwise, we, we couldn't survive at all. And then we had the idea uh, to, for the pivot on the Sunday after that. And we very quickly were able to turn things around. Gosh, it must have been so tough, but everything that comes next is just such an incredibly uplifting development in the story and also such a good reminder that when real adversity strikes, there can be wonderful pivots, but they don't always come straight away. You do have to work through a lot of emotions and practical actions. You know, people immediately think of loss of income, but Mm. it extends way further than that. There's staffing, insurance, rent and other overheads as well as 
was just income that you lose and you had half-built structures and all kinds of things to deal with first. Mm. So just quickly before we move to the pivot, I imagine that communicating all of this to your staff and stakeholders would have been one of the biggest challenges that you had. And I saw you wrote an open letter on March 22nd. I think it's still up on the website, Mm. highlighting again just how important the digital landscape really can be for keeping an open channel of communication. So Mm. talk us through that and how digital helped you navigate that crazy time. Yeah, it's, it was kind of the only way I knew to, to reach people. And um, we do a little bit of, well, we'd always done some social media posts and sharing our projects, and th- but we, we never had a huge following, you know, a couple of thousand people. And for me, that was the way to, to, to tell people that we had to make a change. And uh, if we were going to survive this, we, we had to give uh, this pivot a go and, uh, so we did. We we posted that on social media, and and luckily for us, that people connected with that and could understand the, the the personal level of that. And and that posted, yeah, within a few days, it had been seen by two hundred and fifty thousand people. And uh, oh my god, it was quite astounding. That's 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 the thing that really launched us into the home office furniture business. Wow, I mean that's a really quick turnaround. It was super quick, really. From the idea, it was on the Sunday we had the idea to make these desks uh, and by Tuesday we were up and running and calling staff back. So it was, it was literally 48 hour turnaround. 48 hours is <laughs> alarmingly adaptable and <laughs> agile. <laughs> so how did you actually switch around your equipment? How did you rearrange your staffing and the structure of things? Even the name, like ISO Kings is such an amazing, again, a pivot in the name. How did that all unravel in those 48 hours and how did you roll it out then? So Mick and I sat and talked a lot through how we were going to do this firstly I need to say so I was on that Sunday I was talking with a friend in Ireland uh, and so I I was talking to a lot of people through that week trying to bounce ideas around and see what what everyone thought might work and and he suggested he was looking at furniture and we should do the same thing we had the same equipment he actually worked for us here uh, for quite a long time a, a few years ago and so that's what gave us the idea on to make furniture and so I, that's when I re- messaged Mick, we need to make desks. There's going to be people at home that have never had to work from home before. Whole office buildings are shutting down. And Mick, being an amazing designer, came up with these ideas overnight. So it was Sunday morning, uh, we, we were messaging. Monday morning, he came in with a design for the desk and for a stand-up desk and two 3D prints of those little, little uh, prototypes. And that's what got the juices flowing. And from there, we've, we've now created over 30 products. <laughs> so that's, that was that 48-hour period. There's a huge amount happening that time. And, and it was Monday, we, we cut our first two desks. Monday night, uh, we talked about e-commerce and, and set it up overnight on Monday night. And uh, so then by Tuesday, we took some photos. And by 3 p.m., we were live on Tuesday. I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily recommend new business owners or prospective business owners to try and do it all within 48 hours, but it does prove that you can. You absolutely can. And we agonize so much over making everything perfect, but you can actually roll out a successful idea very, very quickly. That's right. And I think the key is the idea. And, and for us, we've learned a lot along the way. And, and we, the, the, the initial setup now, we've changed things over 12 weeks. It's only, we're only 12 weeks in and we've had to 
change and modify the way we're doing things. But that we got that turnaround in 48 hours is why we are where we are now. Because if we were one week later, I, I don't think we would have been as successful as it's been. Mm. Well, it has been incredibly successful. And it's interesting that you didn't have Etel before COVID. I, I hadn't realised that, as I mentioned. But now that you have made the jump, mm. what do you think the role has been in those last 12 weeks of having that offering? Do you think that having platforms like PayPal that are really accessible and easy to jump on, but in an area where, you know, it's important to have consumer trust where you want to make a quick change and you want them to sort of be open to that system straight away. You know, how have you found that? And and do you think it's something that you'll keep on going forward? Absolutely. We looked to start with at the most trusted platforms and um, we kept PayPal on as our digital payment platform. Uh, it's, it's been an amazing 12 weeks. We've uh, in, in 12 weeks, we've now sold 10,000 pieces of furniture, <laughs> which is just blows all of our minds. It's more than uh, we could ever have imagined. So it's, it's been a, a, a huge learning. Uh, we, like you said, we've never done e-commerce before. Uh, so we've learned all about that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's something we will continue on as uh, we're, we're working through that now, whether we'll, we'll split it and have a side business or how we'll manage that. But that's, that's the best way we're going to go forward. And you've also been donating $10 from each order to Support Act that's supporting entertainment industry workers. And I've read you've raised over $30,000. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, I need to recalculate now, but I, we're, we'd be close to 40000 now, I think. And um, <gasps> for us, the, the first thing we said was we, we need to, if we can make this work, we need to support the event industry. So that, that's one way we've done that. And Support Act do an amazing job of supporting all people from the industry, artists through to the crew. And there's a lot of people hurting they, and they're doing a great job job and the other thing we've done is we've everyone we've got in we've now got 56 staff back working and of that 56 they're all 98 percent of them are out of work event crew so we, we just put the call out to the through the event industry and anyone that was keen to come and help sand or package or deliver desks uh, so so we've managed to, to get a few more event people back working. Oh, that is so wonderful to hear and such a beautiful example of being adaptable and how wonderful it can turn out for you. So now looking to the future, what would you say have been your most interesting or biggest sort of learnings or revelations from the transition that you'll be taking on with you from now? The biggest thing I think we've learned is, is really dealing with consumers and how we're operating with those guys uh, over the e-commerce side. Yeah, we, you know, we, we've needed to upgrade our systems and, and really uh, look at how to best do that. Now that we're talking 10,000 people as opposed to the first hundreds that we had in the first week, you know, so. Mm. And so if you were talking to other small to medium businesses who were thinking of making this shift from retail to e-tail in this climate, what's your advice to them now and then also as we transition into a post-COVID-19 world? The first bit of advice is if you if you have a good idea to run with it, don't overanalyze. Uh, if you think it's good and, and you have the, the money to do that, do it. And then really look at what people, the, the, every everything you're going through, someone else has gone through, I find. So you can really find a lot of information by, by searching and talking to people and, and try not to reinvent the wheel and use the platforms and programs that people have used in the past and trust them. I think that's the smoothest way to do that. <laughs> I'm sure you never expected you would need this kind of scale of plan B, but <laughs> has your business ever had a plan B? Will it from now? You know, How do you think this has geared you up for disruption going forward? One of our clients said to me once, 
you should change your name to stage things. Um, <laughs> that's kind of how we, our mentality, Mick and I are in here every day and everything we look at, we look at how we can, it can be done better or better way of doing things. And so we looked at this change as another project. So we're quite agile anyway. <laughs> so no plan B, no need. You'll pivot as things come. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. I, I, we, we've never had a, a conscious plan B but uh, always looking for a better way. Amazing. Well, this has been so incredibly reassuring and in a time of uncertainty and I think a lot of fear, you've really, you're a shining example of the way that you can use this situation for the better and that wonderful, wonderful things can come out of it. So thank you so much, Jeremy, for joining. Thank you, Sarah. It's been great to chat. Where can we find you and Stage Kings or ISO Kings or Stage Things? <laughs> Best place is our website to start, stagekings.com.au and um, you can find us on all the socials. So on Facebook, we're at Stage Kings Australia. Uh, on Instagram, we're at uh, Stage Kings underscore AU. And uh, yeah, we're, we can be reached anytime. Well, I can't wait to see what other stage things come out of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you tune in every fortnight to join PayPal and myself for more uplifting stories from The Adaptables.